Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down again with Ingrid and Richard Clayton. This time, they bring a brand new story and a lot of value to the podcast. If you remember, they ha- they were back on episode 142, and it's where they shared their brilliant credit card strategy and how they used credit cards to launch some of their real estate investing. They then kind of morphed that into 20 plus properties, and they share that whole journey and story on episode 142 of the Your Life, Your Term show. So if you want to listen to that and how they did that with their real estate investments, go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, look for episode 142 and you will hear their story. It is a really popular episode of ours. And Ingrid and Richard are back because Ingrid has written a book. We talked about it on that previous podcast, but now she has completed the book and it's published. It's called Good Grades Rock, but A plus does not equal success. Why school should teach you financial literacy. And it is a thorough book. She covers everything from real estate to business building to insurance policies to credit lines. And they share their whole story and what they've done in this in this book. It's absolutely incredible. It's jam-packed. Just the intro alone, where she talks about some of her struggles and trying to be a perfectionist and test and you know how she reflects back on that era of her life and what she now thinks about tests and evaluations and what role they play in your success is really insightful. So just that alone is a really great part of the book. So it's called Good Grades Rock, but A plus does not equal success. She has a website built out uh, for this book, with which has a ton of workshops on it as well that she did not mention on the podcast. So we want to call that out. So if you listen to this on the show notes of this episode, we can, you'll see financialliteracyrocks.com is the URL. And on there, you'll get uh, information about the book, but you're also going to see a link in the top right corner to workshops. And she has different workshops that she is uh, offering. There's no charge for these workshops. So you can go out and check those things there. It's financial literacy rocks. Hit the top right hand corner workshops. There's five different workshops. You could submit the form, get access to these workshops. We are just thrilled to have them both back. Richard, we didn't really pepper him with questions this time because this was mostly about Ingrid and, and her book, even though it's both of their story. But we are just thrilled to have them on this episode for them to share the story. And when you hear how serious she is about this and what she's doing here in Canada to really try and push and improve some of our education, I think you'll be impressed. So if you are listening to this and you are also thinking about going down a real estate investing journey, you can get some of the education that Rockstar puts out at www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. You can get access to the introductory training class that we do once a month. We have videos, podcasts, uh, links to podcast episodes like this. We have reports. One of our most underrated reports, in my opinion, is the population explosion report. We're going to update it soon, but even in its current state, the information it gives you about some of the fundamental demand building in this uh, building in this area is really not reported in very many places. You can get that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash reports. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Ingrid and Richard Clayton, and Nick is uh, accepting a meat delivery at his house through text (laughs) message here, so he, he will be on the mic soon. 
but Nick is here with us as well. So we were just saying, Ingrid and Richard, when you guys were here last time and you shared with everybody your story about getting to like 20 properties or whatever it was, it was 20 properties. I feel 20, right? right. We're at 20 mm-hmm. now, yeah. Yeah, 20 properties yeah. now. It's we got been, more. We had more. We sold I know. a few, yeah. You had more. Yeah. <laughs> and then the way you did it and you shared it. So anyone listening to this haven't heard about Ingrid and Richard's story. Um, on the first podcast, they explained how they got started. And I think it was Ingrid, right, who was juggling credit cards. And we had a bunch of people reach out to us <laughs> saying, you guys have said that it's not good to use credit cards to buy properties. But Richard and Ingrid were able to do it. Why can't I do it? And we had to go to defense mode saying, well, yes, it's possible to use money from credit. But very few people do it well. They're the exception. So if you're going to do it, please be careful. That's correct. Is, is that how you guys would advise absolutely. people? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. you can get addicted onto the credit cards and use the money for the wrong reasons, right? Absolutely, yes. So a testament to you to guys, know. though. Did you have people reaching out to you about that podcast? Yes, we did. Yeah. We did. <laughs> and I and I had people send, send in it all over the world. Like I have a friend in Florida. He was like, I sent it to my friends in Spain. <laughs> yeah, and Italy. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he was very inspired by that. So. It's a it's a yeah. great story. It's a yeah. great story. Yeah. And before we get we go further on on today's subject, you have a beautiful gold chain on here. Oh, why? Yeah. What, what is that? Something from the family? A gift? Um, actually, well, this one I I used to when I was in high school, I used to help this um this friend of mine do vertical blinds. Right. So you know, um, back then with the vertical blinds. You had to use glue to glue the, you know, the weights that goes in. You have to glue the edges so it doesn't fall out or whatnot. So I used to help him a lot. And for my birthday, my 18th birthday, he actually bought that for me. So I have this. I don't want to age by itself. Wow. No, that's a ne- <laughs> no, to, buy that ne- to buy that necklace. Now I'm just looking at that necklace. That is a beautiful gift. Yeah. We Thank should all you. get into the vertical blinds helping business because that is a beautiful, that's yes. a beautiful gift. So it was a wonderful surprise. You know, my 18th birthday is like, oh, you're always helped me so much and I never I, I was never paid for it it was just helping right because his, 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 his grandma was really good to me when I was in high school so I would just help you know we're just used to helping and th- I guess that was the reward <laughs> so, where was that were you already in Canada then oh no 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 I I, I went to um I did even my first degree in Jamaica I, oh yeah, we came just I've in lost, 2000. I've lost track. It's only been since 2000. <laughs> yes, yeah. we only came in 2000. Holy it's not that long. You guys are taking Canada by storm. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! No, that's great. Okay, got it. Okay, because and the reason I'm looking at the the necklace. Sorry, I will stop now. But I remember my my wife has a gold um, bracelet that mm-hmm. I got her when I at the end of university. So this is going to be like mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I went to buy it. The, the, the lady in the store that was helping me looked at me. And I guess I, I you know had a backpack on as a student. Right. And I said I wanted a gold necklace. And she brought up this thing of stress. I guess she thought I had $5 to my name. And it was this thread. Like I could, I need a magnifying glass even to see the, the thing. I said, no, I can get something a bit more than that. And she brought out this beautiful gold bracelet with this awesome clasp. And it was $350. Oh, nice. And I remember thinking, okay, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. But I love it. I'm going to get it for her. Now that bracelet just in the gold value of it alone yes. you could never but you don't even see bracelets like that right. for sale mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. you know so yes. just uh, interesting how yeah. times have changed yes, okay absolutely. but the reason the reason that you guys are here is the book absolutely. so what yes. got you in the, the name of the book is good grades rock but a plus does not equal success why schools should teach you financial literacy so can you explain a bit about your background and what gave mm-hmm. you the idea to write this book absolutely so um 
we came here in 2000 kind of to start all over. And um, we went through a lot of different challenges. It was great that we came. Richard was already working because he came into a job. I came as a teacher, which was good, coming from the um, from Jamaica, the Caribbean, because it's the British system that we have there. The education system is like the British system. When we come, we don't have to go to school here to start teaching. Just send in your papers, and you get your letter of eligibility to start teaching, and eventually you get your certificate of qualifications. So you're pretty much set. So coming here and feeling like we're starting over from scratch. And sometimes when I look at the, the I guess the, the opportunities, because we came here for opportunities. We came here to give her, at the time we had one son, right? And we wanted to give him opportunities to, to you know, set him up for more success. And coming here, we were like, what did we do, right? <laughs> Was it a wise move or whatnot? But, but soon after, it wasn't. It, it, it why, turned out why on that part? Sorry, why was it? Why did you have that thought? Just the difficulty to, quote unquote, get ahead. Was that um, th that why? It wasn't so much to get ahead in in the sense that we didn't think that we could uh, make it here. It was, it just the feeling of starting all over. We had our home, you know, back home, and we come here. We we were renting, right? Never used to rent, you know, never rented before, and we were wondering and. and Maybe I should step back a little bit because we came in 2000, got pregnant in 2001. 2002, Richard got laid off. Right? <laughs> so so I, I think with all of that, I'm wondering, is it going to work? So I was stuck. Um, you know, we get we're supposed to. Well, we can get up to one year off for mat leave, but I didn't take it because I, I a U.S. company had bought his company at the time. And I felt like, you know, people were being laid off. And because he was. Recently in the company, you know, they say um, last in, first out. And I felt like he was going to go soon. And my son was born in May. And, you know, school starts in September. I, I was thinking of taking the first semester off. But then I was thinking at the time I wasn't so knowledgeable about the system. So I wasn't sure they would be able to place me. At the time, I didn't realize that. If you tell them that you're going to be off semester one, they will automatically place you based on seniority. But at the time, I wasn't that knowledgeable, so I didn't know. So I was thinking, maybe if I don't go on, you know, I don't start in September, I won't get a placement for February. So I said to him, I'm going to go back. You know, my mother-in-law came here to, to help me with the baby. And I said, I'm going to go back because I felt like you're going to get laid off soon, you know. And sure enough, by November, he, he was laid off. But I was happy that I went back in September because I was working. So to be stuck with just one income, you know, and when you come, you, I pretty much start at level, level one because I'm just starting. And um, it takes a while for them to put, put you – because the union eventually you send in the papers to the union and take some time but eventually get to the appropriate level that you're supposed to be but you always start at just level one and because you already so had experience as well you i had experience yeah. but that is not that is not um included until all the paperwork is handed in because i had to send experience because you're coming you're not you're not even sure what you have to 
bring with you, right? I know I had to bring my transcripts and, um, of course, my, my degree. I don't even know where my degree... I haven't seen my degree in years. <laughs> so Like I, all I of us, you get the degree, you <laughs> throw it in the back corner somewhere, and you begin life. But, but And I should be clear, just so if anyone's listening, it's, it was a math teacher, yes, correct? Math I, and I don't computer know if we said science, that already. That's what I did. Oh, yeah. and computer science. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Okay, got it. So those are my two teachables. So when I came... So I figured... I needed to bring my degree, I needed to bring a transcript for proof, but I didn't know I had to bring like a letter of employment to show that I've been with the Ministry of Education in Jamaica for that number of years. So until you have that proof, they put you at level one, that's where you start. So until everything comes in and you, and you, and you prove you know, all the experience that you have, only then that you get pushed to the, the, the category that you're supposed to, and you get the income that you're supposed to, right? So, and, and that takes a little bit of, bit of time. So with all of that, I, you know, I was wondering, um, how are we going to do this? By November, we were on one, one stream of income, and I never liked that, you know, because back in Jamaica, apart from doing our regular day job, we always had, like, I used to teach um, lessons, you know, we used to call it lessons class. It's really just after school class that we teach for extra money. During the summer, you know, you teach for extra um, Richard and my and, and my brother-in-law had a computer um, kind of computer institute thing in the, the in the evening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> training, and I would do that too. So there are multiple things that I would be doing, and then you come here, and I'm like, it's just one thing. It just felt weird, and like we're not gonna move too fast, you know, under that con- you know circumstance. And and with that, I said, um, what can we do? So I remember when my son, when I had my second son. And he, he was about, I think, he, you know, because I had my mother-in-law helping me, that was a great help. But um, somewhere in the book I wrote that he was like clockwork, man. He was like an alarm clock. Every night he would get up like at 2 o'clock. I would be preparing because I was, going, um, I was transferred to a different school in September from the school I, I was at when I was pregnant and when I went on mat leave. And I was at a, a new school, and they gave me courses that I've never taught before. So I was, had to be planning everything. And then I would you know, go to sleep maybe at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock my son would be up, you know, I, and I'm there with him. And next thing you know, I, I probably get another hour or two of sleep and I have to get up to go to work, you know, so. Um, so, so, yeah. so from that point, like when you were going through that and you, so you guys, you realized there was something there, you know, there wasn't the one income, you were dealing with the kids. Where did you... Like, how did it transfer from, like, you were teaching math, you were doing that, you got it, mm-hmm. you were in Jamaica teaching math, you went to school in Jamaica, you kind of, you were, you were transitioning, you were traveling down this kind of very common path that we're all taught and showed as the most common path. Mm-hmm. So then what changed for you and what triggered the, like, holy cow, I'm missing something here? Because the book is about kind of financial literacy mm-hmm. and you deal with numbers all the time and you're like, right. hey, man, there's something kind of missing in the numbers. So when did that transition take place for, for you? Definitely. So when so when we came, naturally, when you leave Jamaica, you have to come with a certain amount of income. So they said, um, you know, come, that's to cover you until, you know, things start to pan out well. And when I, when we came, because Richard came into um, a job, then we didn't really have to use much of that income, uh, or much of that the funds that we brought up, because his income was decent to cover pretty much everything, the rent and, and, and everything for the most part. So you know, we bought like 
a few furniture. We were in, you know, a condo. We didn't buy too much, you know, bed, make sure we had a table, you know, you know, basic things. And we stick to that. So when, when Richard was laid off, then we had most of that, you know, that money there, except what we lost from mutual funds because well, you know, we came here and we damn, went to mu- yeah. damn mutual funds. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so, gonna take the opportunity to say damn, <laughs> damn mutual funds. Right. Yeah. So when we didn't know about mutual funds in in Jamaica, we, when we invested, was we're big on credit unions, and you know, credit unions is like even when you borrow money, your money keep growing. So that's what we're used to, right? So let's say you had like fifty thousand dollars in credit union, and you probably borrowed because uh, I remember at one point I borrowed like twenty thousand to buy um what was it again was it a um, a new tv i can't remember what i bought but the point is that the fifty thousand dollars kept growing and then i gradually pay back the loan so so then it's not like thirty thousand is left and interest is being accumulated on thirty thousand interest is still accumulated on the fifty thousand and then did you, you have to have the fifty thousand to start well that yeah so that that was what i have so so let's say uh, and, and oh god! I don't so then you, you can kind of borrow against your own yes, deposit, almost can, like a life insurance policy. Or similar, something. exactly. Okay. So okay. You, you know, the life insurance you can take out 90 percent, but the rest it keeps growing because huh. you keep paying. Okay. Well, that's when yeah. there was interest, <laughs> because now at interest rates, there's exactly you know, right, it doesn't right, work. Right. So, so then when when we came, we we didn't know about anything like that. So we did mutual funds because we went to RBC. RBC was where we had all our money, and and um, the guy said mutual funds are good. We we're like, oh, okay. So we figured, you know, you're a financial <laughs> advisor, you know better, mm-hmm. and stuff. Like all and of us, all of us <laughs> went through the same. Thing. Oh, this mutual fund thing. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I know. Sign I, me up. <laughs> Which I don't know which ones. What do you think? Oh, these ones. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll do those mm-hmm. ones. Right. And when 9-11 hit and we were looking at um, what we had, like the money was just going down. We weren't used to that. We weren't used to our principal <laughs> being less than what we put in. Right? I like how you're laughing. Richard's <laughs> laughing. I'm not, I wouldn't be laughing at this. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> well, he wasn't laughing then. I was like, what the heck is this? And then when we, when we really took stock, we realized that they were taking up because we didn't know about this front end loaded or back end loaded at the time. We weren't, didn't know these things. And when we looked, we were like, they're still taking fees, even though the funds are not performing. What is this? So with that, we're like, no, this is not going to work. And yeah, so I, um, I can't remember. What we, I think I took out some. Uh, I took out, I think we took out all of it, actually. Mm-hmm. And I put it on GIC. You know what they say about GIC. But I said, you know what? I prefer to keep, get at least my principal back <laughs> than, you know, my money going down when nothing, you know, nothing is coming in. And so we, we, we started looking to GIC and all that. And then, you know, the following year, we um, actually it was later that same year that we bought a home. We bought our first home here. We paid down on the home because we didn't close until 2002, right? And um, yeah, so we kind of used up all our funds to for the um, down payment for the home. And we also bought a van because then I'd, I'd asked my mother-in-law to, she retired the same year to come and help me out with the baby. And I were thinking, we're not, you know, we have family in Oakville, Richard, Richard still have family in Oakville. So this is where we used to come for, for Christmas dinner, for Easter, for Thanksgiving. So we're always in Oakville. And um, we're all the way over there in, in, in Markham. And I didn't want to be driving two cars, right? So I said, let's get a van because that could fit everybody. The baby, you know, my younger son, the baby, the, you know, the car seat. And then bought a van. So imagine we, had, we, we just bought a home because we closed in February 2002. Just bought a home, uh, just bought a van, you know, um, furniture to 
put in the new home and all that. And then it, the baby, the baby came in May, and Richard got laid off in November. Like <laughs> seriously, like what is that? So, so then I, I, I said to him, you know, while he was off, you know, we had some time, and I said we have to do something. You know, it cannot just be just our day job. We need to go back to, you know, doing something extra on the side, a side hustle where we can come in with, you know, a, a little bit extra cash flow and whatnot. So, you know, and, and, and I said to him that I don't want to be, because I remember the, that time I had to juggle. I think that's when I learned really how to manipulate these credit cards. Yes. And, and then I had to do a lot of juggling because, you know, he had his RSP um, that we're doing. My son's R, um, my, my son, that was because at that time I just had my first son, RESP. And I still didn't want to stop contributing, so I tried as much as possible to keep what we're doing and to cut what we could cut so that it, it could still work, right? And uh, we got it to work for the most part because we did not deplete the, the little extra funds that we had from you know what we brought up from Jamaica and whatever little savings that we had. Um, it, we didn't deplete that, so we, we kept that. So once, you know, once he was employed again, we started thinking about what can we do? What can we do? We need to do something. So he started doing some, he started doing video on the side. Or my son was old enough, I started to do night school. You know, and I realized that we were working harder. We were taking away time from the kids, but it, no extra money was coming in. And, um, you know, fast track to 2008, uh, which is when we, we actually sold our home back in Jamaica. And we have all this money, and you know, there's nothing there. And we're like, what do we do? You know, and so we, we really got into thinking, we, we cannot continue to do this night school. It wasn't giving us any extra income. We weren't going to get rich on that. <laughs> you know? Not that we were thinking about getting rich at the time. We just wanted to make sure we had something that could sustain us. God forbid Richard should lose his job again. By that time, you know, I had better income too from um, teaching so because, you know, I was put in the right category you know, by then, but still, I, I still didn't feel comfortable, and so <clears throat> um, eventually I said, you know, we, 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 when we sold a home in Jamaica, and we got all the income um, from that, you know, we converted it to U.S. dollars, and we brought it in, and after the mutual fund experience, we were like, what are we going to do with this money? <laughs> 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 it doesn't make sense, because interest rate was so low, and all that. So um, we thought about it. We said, okay, this is a good time to move. The mortgage rates had, you know, dropped a whole lot. And That was uh, a perfect time to get, perfect perfect time, time right. to get into the real estate market. <laughs> At that exact time, we had many people telling us to our faces, you guys are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Do not get into real estate. Right. Right. That was the financial crisis in the U.S. is happening at that point. Right. But you guys just hit it at the right time. That's right. Because that's when we bought our, our condo in, in Florida as well, about the same time, because it was a foreclosure and we got it. And um, so, so during that journey, because then now it's your real estate journey that takes mm -hmm. off from 2008. Right. When what during that journey, because uh, and, and we'll get to the book in a second. When was it that you realized the money system wasn't being taught in school? Was it was it already in your head or was it understanding real estate and maybe good debt versus bad debt? When was the moment you're like, holy smokes, we mm -hmm. could be doing more in schools? Was well, there a transition in your thinking there? It started kind of, you know, it, it really started when, okay, when, when we lost that, that money in the mutual funds and all that, you know, at first I was wondering, to an extent I was wondering because I wasn't, I didn't go to school here. 
I, I thought. Um, oh God. I thought. Yeah. I, got, I, I maybe I Canada. missed something. Maybe, exactly. maybe they are teaching some. Right. Of this. Ex- ah, precisely. And you didn't realize that. No. <laughs> there's nothing happening here. Right. So and I didn't wrap my head around it. For the most part, I, I felt like I, I was shortchanged because I I didn't grow up here. I didn't go to you know to school here, and um, that's why I was kind of behind. But um, I remember. You know, getting closer to 2008, which is which is as I thought about it more and more, I realized that. Um, and, and and actually, when I talked to even colleagues and stuff, and even before that, because there are times when, because before that, I was using credit card to 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 kind of make money from credit cards, and then when I would share this with my colleagues, they're they're looking at me like. <laughs> you know what are you talking about that's not that doesn't make any sense and stuff so then slowly Richard, i started what, what to realize to say there <laughs> no well even even the i remember one time she shared it with somebody at the bank and she was like what you remember the, yes because you mortgage. were just this is when you were just you weren't using it for properties yet you were just shuffling the money around yes i was just the, the, the balance transfer to zero percent so i was just taking those and put them on gic's because that time because in 2005 2004 i think i started in 2004 that time you could get five percent gic right so yeah. you were taking the credit we didn't know that so you mm-hmm. were taking the credit card at zero percent interest for however long maybe six months was it no a year? whole year whole year, F- year or 15 ta- months yes taking whatever the money, it was putting into a gic earning the five percent yes. and then paying the credit card back at the end of the year when the gic Exactly, and that was all money from oh my the God. pocket. <laughs> I but it just, makes, it makes sense. Ingrid for Finance Minister of Canada. <laughs> Holy smokes. Right, and then when yeah. I... when I You're I, just I sh- doing a pure arbitrage <laughs> play there. Exactly. Precisely. And I try to get other people to do it too, but they're like, you're crazy. They, they thought I was doing something wrong, right? Illegal. Yeah, yeah, illegal. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, what are you talking about? Because you just have to pay the minimum balance, right? Because you know what? And I realize a lot of people think that credit cards are interest cards that's how they think about them once you think credit card oh i don't want to pay interest and and i said i said to some some um colleagues like no you i don't pay it why why do you think you're gonna pay it it's zero percent you pay the minimum balance right and by the time it's due you you take the money off because you put it on a one-year gic and then you take the money the same money back to pay it and then the interest is yours and some people could not conceptualize that, and that's when it started to kick in. And the that, di- and the discipline yeah. too. Sorry, sorry, yeah. I cut you off. It's a, it's a, what started to kick in? It started to kick in that I wasn't disadvantaged because I was educated in Jamaica. These people just didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't get the education, and a lot of people don't have the discipline. Because a lot right. of people, if they, you know, if they're putting ten thousand dollars to put in the GIC, mm-hmm. the ten thousand dollars gets in their hands, and they're right. like, well. <laughs> Maybe we'll put in seven thousand because yes. you know I could buy a few things that I really wanted, and then Absolutely. all of a sudden, then the extra yeah. three thousand is like this debt. Maybe yeah. goes somewhere else, and it just spirals out of control, and yeah. and it goes back to exactly what you were saying. Yes, because no one's taught They're any different, taught right. right? We're right. taught how to add mm-hmm. integers, and yeah. my daughter's doing stuff now in grade grade five that. I didn't think I did till grade nine. <laughs> she came home. She's like, "Hey, I got to do long division." I'm like, "Long division?" I go, "I know. I have no idea how to do that anymore." Here, there's this thing called a phone, right? But I learned. I, I relearned grade five math. It took me a little bit to remember. But you're not taught any anything about that. Nope. And and so I, and I tried to connect what was happening in real life with what was happening in my classroom, and then so that's when I really started to reflect and I'm like, wait, I'm teaching the math courses. And I, I I taught all the math courses, and it's like. The the courses that covers um, the courses that covers stuff like that, like credit card and um, RESP, you know, saving for education. Those are like the applied cl- courses, the low level courses that parents do not want their their children to do those. 
So when I really so all the most valuable stuff yes. is in the lowest level course. Exactly, exactly. But how to do derivatives at the calculus level is the A level course where you're never going to do a derivative again in your life. You know, yes. holy, not yes. never. I know there's an ap- application to derivatives. I just mean everybody should have that base. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's when I started to think about it. That yeah, it's not there. The the courses where you find them. Parents do not, and, and kids, there's a stigma attached to those courses as well. So they don't want it, because think about a budding lawyer um, doing an essentials math course. Like, what? I, um, I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm doing an essentials math course? Because they think of it like basic math. Or you're, you know, kids like to say, oh, only the kids who are dumb do that, you know. And, and I like in the introduction right. of your book, you go, you kind of go through great lengths sharing your story, how it seems, and I, and I bookmarked that one point that I read to you earlier. I just want to read it again. It says, um, is school focused more on learning or more focused on testing and grading? There are times when I feel like my students spend more time focused on writing evaluations and worrying about marks than they do on learning. Absolutely. And I think that hits home on everything because when Nick and I interview people to work here at Rockstar, we want people who are going to be resourceful problem solvers and not linear thinking. And I, I think sometimes in school to do well in an evaluation or a test, it's very linear. Here's the question, solve the question. Right. Whereas we want people who are going to be, here's the question, you can't use your calculator, your eraser broke, your pen is broken in half. You might have to write, you might have to write with blood on the, on the, like, how are you, how are you going to get through this test? Yes. There's a fire alarm going in the background. Someone's screaming to you at the front. What are you going to do to get through this test? And the, the, the life skills from that is yes. almost more valuable than getting 96 on a linear math equation. So can you talk about that? Do you think our school system, I guess you do, our school system is very heavy on that and the, and parents are kind of taught to just look at the marks? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, go through your story on that. Right. I, I mean, it, it is so bad sometimes that you give them, you work the same question in class, you just change the number or you change the letter and, and, and they're like, I, I can't do that question, miss. And I'm like, what do, what do you mean you can't do that question? We did a question like that yesterday. No, or in fact, sometimes if I change Nick to Tom, it, it, it throws them, right? Because they're not thinking, of, they're not conceptualizing, you know, you know what they're doing, the problem solving process. They're not reading it and saying, um, oh, this is the tools that I need to select. This is how I need to um, a- a- apply the tools to solve this problem because they're not about problem solving. They're not the critical thinking is just not there because they're more f- they're more focused on getting the grades. And 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 to some extent, I I don't blame the kids because the parents pressure comes from the parents too. Because some parents I find they try to live their lives through their kids and. Even though the, the child may not want to pursue, like, oh, I see the doctor in you, or I see the engineer, or whatnot. Maybe the child wants to be a musician, right? And you're like, no, no musician in the family, right? What are you thinking about? That, that for? Get that saxophone right? away exactly. from me, man. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's about the marks. And, you know, I've been in parent interview where the, 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 the child is trying so hard, right? And my heart goes out. But the, the parent look look at the child so disappointed. Like, what kind of mark is this, right? And they don't understand that there, there are students who will not perform as well. I mean, God gave us different talents, right? A lot of people say there is no math gene. But I feel like when it comes to you know logical thinking and you know numbers and all that, they, some people have a knack for that, right? They they just automatically will just run with that. And there are some kids who they need more time to process it. They need more 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 repetition, right? They always say repetition is the mother of learning. So 
I believe everybody can learn. The rate at which people will learn, it's different. And sometimes to hit the mark that you really want, the, the child may have to do it multiple how, times. How do we do that? How do we put that into the school system? It seems difficult, I guess. Like, so now I can have sympathy mm-hmm. for teachers and the school mm-hmm. system because I realize like, okay, the next step is everybody thinks their kids should go to university. I mean, my own son's in university, right? So right. you need certain marks to get into university. So yeah, Ingrid, all sounds great, but I just need this damn mark to mm-hmm. get to the next step. And I, I feel like it's hard to change this system, it right? Is like you, you're difficult. in it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's difficult. It's difficult because um, one of the things that we were always faced with, so let's say a student got 45, 46%, and we're saying you know, the student has not mastered the skill, but sometimes they say, oh, just give the student a 50, you know, their, their self-esteem so they can move on. But what you find is that they get moved from, from class to class without mastering the basic skills that they need. And by the time they get to grade 11 or 12, the gap is so wide that they can't find themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they get there and they want to get into this program and they can't because they need math at a certain mark. Right, which I don't necessarily agree with because I know that some of these kids, they're so motivated. You, you, you put them in an environment where they love to do something, they will run with it. Right, So I feel like sometimes when they say, oh, you have to get a 75 or 85 in math to get into this program, I, I, I feel like that that is kind of a barrier for students who could perform very well in those areas because they love that to- field. Totally, and right? as by way of example, I know my son with some of his friends, you talk to them about grade 12 math mm-hmm. and they're they're like, yeah, what whatever. Mm-hmm. But you talk to them about buying NBA cards at a certain price and this rookie is going to get so many points and what is percentage from the three-point line versus other rookies percentages and what you can buy this running shoe for and what it's reselling on the market for and you hear these kids talk about this stuff they're masters at math they're better at math than me and not only are they better at math than me that I'm listening to them I'm like they're mastering business skills here they get math for business all combined but they don't even realize what they're doing and we don't really encourage that more it's it's more like Put those away. Mm-hmm. Make sure you get the 90 on the calculus test so you can get into university. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and it's it's tough. I've, I've wondered the same thing. And then with your book, I was thinking about this topic, right? About the math type of thing, because it's a lot of a lot of what you say makes sense. Like, why is there not basic stuff taught in math, like compound interest, like how interest works on credit cards, you know, right. some financial literacy. Yeah. And then I was like, well, is it a math thing or is it just we need this fi- a financial literacy stream or course? Like we almost need a life skills course mm-hmm. introduced. And if we're not going to have that, then we take the number side of it and put it into the math program because there's certain things that you're going to use in your life. Like even leaving high school there, at, at 18 years old, you can get a credit card. And if you don't understand how bad it is to carry a balance on that credit card and yeah. how much it will set you behind if oh, you're, you're paying be, 18% gonna, or 19% interest on it. You can be a slave to debt for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah it's so important, but that should be mandated. It right? should be, right? And and they place a lot of you know emphasis on things like um, numeracy, uh, which really is about the the abstract math, right? Instead of those basic things that you're talking about that, uh, that you know, students need when they move on, you know, like you said, at 18, they can get a credit card and if they don't know how to use it, in no time they're in this debt, yeah. right? Yeah, what's abstract math? Is that like, you know, uh, like integer, like a variable you're, you're already, algebra, you're, you're, you're already geometry. Algebra. Yeah, okay, that type of stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're past us already, <laughs> see? You got us lost. I'm learning. I'm abstract learning from the math, math teacher. Please, what are you so. talking about? Two plus two is five, you know? It is, and I always wondered that, like even in school, I'm like, look, I'm all for learning stuff. I just, uh, the type of student that I was, when I was in the earlier Nick, grades. Nick added things up on the barbell. He could <laughs> add up that those numbers really No, I quick. wasn't working out at the time. I, I was, um, 
So because in the earlier grades, it was all stuff I could apply to real life. Right. And then as I went, you know, into older grades, I started learning things that in my head, I'm like, I don't get don't why know. I'm doing this because I'm not interested in being the engineer. And I get why that exists. It's very valuable. And right. if you're going down that path. But for me, I wasn't going down that path. And it made school harder for me. I was an honor uh, honorable student, 9, 10, 11, without mm -hmm. trying too hard. Then I kind of mm -hmm. got... Yes. Like I was turned 16, I could hang out with my friends more and yes. <laughs> that type of stuff. But it also was, there was a disconnect in for me personally between what I was learning and what I could implement in real life. Yeah. And that caused me to lose interest. And that's why my studies or my grades started to fall at that time. Absolutely. And that's what happened to a lot of students because they cannot. And that's why I always get the question, Miss, why are we doing this? Or I like to say the, the cousin question too. Um, who in their right mind, <laughs> you know, use this in the real world, yeah. right? Because they cannot see the connection between what they're doing in class and to what's going on. And, and that is what failing students and and it doesn't just impact um their creativity in math per se it because you know society feels like if you're not getting the grades in math you're not as smart right for some strange reason they measure your intelligence and your smartness by your performance in science and math which i, I don't know why but and then students because that is kind of inculcated in them, they feel like, oh, if I'm not hitting the grades in math, then I'm not that smart. So they don't put out as much effort in other disciplines where they could be, you know, yeah. really they, they get yeah. Yeah, They get they stereotyped get or they stereotype themselves. Yes, Because exactly. the, arts, the arts aren't respected as much. Right, right, right. Maybe now that's changed a tiny bit, but for mm -hmm. the most part, it's not. It's, it's, it's science not. and math yeah. matters the most, and that's mm -hmm. what makes you smart. or yes. okay. You could yes. get a 95 in English, mm -hmm. but if your math score is 70, well, you're not really yeah. that smart. True, right? <laughs> true, absolutely. So, and and I, it, it, it's really it's a, it's a hard battle because... Um, part of the problem too is how they call these courses because, and something I mentioned in the book is what if you'd call, because the essential, co the course that they say, oh, it's an essential course. Why don't you call it math for everyday, everyday application, right? Why don't you call maybe the, the, the calculus and stuff that they need from engineer or, you know, actuarial science, whatnot, call it that, give them meaningful names. So they, they, they say what you actually learned there instead of, Grade 10 academic, grade 10 applied, grade 10 essential, grade 11. You know what I'm saying? There, there's no yeah, value sell to it, that. Sell yeah. It. yeah. So sell the courses according to what students will learn. Because I believe if you have a course math for everyday living or everyday application, doesn't matter if you become a lawyer, a doctor, or whatnot, you're going to want to do that because that's where you'll find those, those real-life application things like you were mentioning, that you can see the connection between what I'm doing here and, and what, um, I'm, what I'm going to do later on in life. And then students will perform better because they can relate to it. Why do you th but why do you think that, like, this isn't rocket science? So why do you think this doesn't exist? To some extent, I've, I, you know, I've, I've mulled over this Hours, hours, even when I was doing my book, I thought about it and, and I, I kind of alluded to this and I wonder if the government, it's just a way the education system is there to create employees to work for people and not know too much. You know, you don't want too many, too many people to succeed, right? But which is kind of counter um, intuitive because one of the reasons why we're in, you know, we're in so much debt and, and, and you know, the consumer debt, all the problems that we have sometimes, even for people going out to steal and to, you know, um, rob people off what they, it's because they don't feel like they have the, the, the capacity or they have the capability to do better, right? Because they feel like they, they, 
you know they're they're, they're missing something mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, and they di- resort I feel like to maybe disadvantage not yes. starting from the same place not having the same opportunity as Absolutely. everyone else right and they think that way because of the way we explain the world to mm-hmm. them it feels like some people are being left they feel like they might be being left behind exactly it's awful yeah and, and they just give up and like oh this is this is what i have to do but a lot of, a lot of the atrocities that go it it, it ha- it's happening because of the education system is kind of creating it right indirectly because you know i'm sure you heard um ken robinson was it said school kills creativity and and i think to a lot of you know it really does because sometimes um uh, okay so i i had a stu- I give you an example so i have a student he wants um he wants to do he's, he's good at, at science right he doesn't want to do anything related to science he really wants to do business but one of the challenges that you have they they timetable these courses together so kind of if you're in science you can't do business kind of way and so um, sometimes, you know, guidance counselors say, oh, but you're great at this. Why don't you continue to do this? But the, the child doesn't want to do that, right? They should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. And so they get stuck in this, this, you know, maybe a science stream, if you will. And, you know, they're moving along and, and yeah, they can do it, but they're not motivated as much. And so by the time they get to grade 12, right? They're, they're j- yeah. And, and, and they're just... <laughs> it makes can't it find hard a good word. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's it, because they're not motivated. They're 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 not encouraged to do what they really want to, and eventually they will try for their parents, and they will try to get the mark. And after a while, they realize that there is no intrinsic um, satisfaction that they're getting. And so they it's just... Sl- it slows them down, really. It's yes, counterintuitive it because it slows them down. It because it, by the time you get to grade yeah. 12, if you're like, no, this really isn't it for me, mm-hmm. and you try to go down a different path, you kind of kind of get, get ramped up again to go down that path right. and build some momentum, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. like you have to go through a process of self-discovery that if you get so disenchanted with what you think is possible for your life through the school system... And I know there's a lot of great teachers out there, Ingrid, including yourself. Uh, so I'm not trying to say that it's the people oh, in no. there. It's the system. It's the system, system yeah. more than it is the yeah, people in the problem. system. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think when you get disenchanted in school, like I've seen so many of my friends go that down that path, you almost have to go through a process of self-discovery. And for me, it happened in the 20s where you pick up some books. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about Thinking Grow Rich mm-hmm. and Bob Proctor mm-hmm. and all these guys. You read this stuff. Yeah. And then I just reflect back on how much that really helped me th- say, right. Oh my God, that's why I think your yeah. book is so valuable because your book can serve that for other people that you have to pick up books like yours mm-hmm. to then realize, oh my gosh, there is yeah. another way. There is opportunity for me. Here's what I need to know. And it's like the light or the enthusiasm of for life comes back on. Mm-hmm. Then that's what happened to me. Yeah. Because when I went through school and finished with university, I'll never forget that I went into that nine to five job in the IT department on Front Street down there for RBC. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm just gonna be stuck doing these computer programs and, and doing like some you know, Q&A work on existing, pro- I'm not actually gonna program anything new here. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing quality assurance work on old programs to make sure they work for the year 2000. Mm-hmm. This is my life, I went to grade school. I went to high school, mm-hmm. got 90s in high school mm-hmm. before I got my car, and then it kind of went sideways. <laughs> but I got my 90s in the first few years of high school, first few years, low 80s the rest of the way. But I, and then, um, and then uh, went to university, got this degree, and then I start working, and I'm like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. Now this is my life. Every day I wake up, right. I go downtown, I pay for the go pass, or if I drive, I pay for parking. I have to pay for lunch. I have to buy nice clothes that are basically making me bankrupt, and then I have to go to this job and sit in this cubicle and do Q and A work. Mm-hmm. This is my. I started having nightmares, 
And that forced me into reading books and seeing exactly. opportunity. I thought, oh my exactly. gosh, there's yeah. another way. Yeah. But if you don't go through that period of picking up some books and realizing there's more opportunity for all of us, like you guys did with real estate mm -hmm. and Richard, how much you've explored with everything mm -hmm. that you, you've explored. It, I feel like you can just get lost in life. And before you know it, you snap your fingers, you're 50 years old and everything sucks. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, then, and so I feel this is why it's important to get this book in the hands of as many people as possible. So I, I want to talk about that part of, you know how you, you wrote in here that the love of money is the root of all evil, how we're kind of, eventually, it's usually in, in our generation, like you're, you come across that thinking. How did that impact, uh, how did you overcome that? What was it that made you overcome that thinking? Reading, reading and listening to successful people and listen to all the great things that they do when they become successful. You realize that um, to be able to, to be able to help people the way you want to help them, you can't help them when you're poor. It doesn't work. And, you know, we always talk about, talk about, you know, being altruistic, you know, giving back to the community, you know, and, you know, helping your brother along the way. And the Bible speaks a lot about this. And, but one of the things, you know, growing up into the church and all that, and, and, and you know, to some extent, the, the concepts or the mindset that people have about money, I think it's, it comes from the home sometimes and just, just grow, I mean, just think about sometimes you see parents, they always go to buy the lottery thinking that that's the only way they can get money, right? So think about a child seeing that, oh, the only way um, I can get some money is if I buy the lottery. So then they grew up buying the lottery too, right? But I never thought yeah. about that. It almost teaches a, a, a subconscious, in your subconscious, you're almost taught like this is the only chance I have. Exactly. And, and so, and so they, don't, they don't think that there is a way to earn money without... Doing uh, and one going back to the lottery, the church think of it as gambling, and gambling is bad, right? And uh, sometimes you hear they say, "Oh, um, for a long time it was." When I was growing up, I used to hear, hear "Money is the root of all evil." Yeah. The love part was not even there, right? So imagine going up and hearing that money. So you're thinking that, well, I, I shouldn't get too much money because then I don't want to see see myself as being evil, right? So. But again, reading and just expanding your mind and listen to people, listen to you guys, all the great things you guys are doing, you know, for this massive group of people, you know, listen to Bob Proctor, listen to um, Napoleon Hill, listen, you know, all those great people, you realize that, wait, something is wrong. Even Robert Kiyosaki, I remember one time he, in one of his books, he was sitting, he was sitting on, on the beach and saying that, oh, what he did, you know, the amount of money that he contributed to charity and what, and I was like, I would want to be able to do that, but how the heck can I do that if I don't have money, right? So why are they saying that money is the root of all evil? I, by that time, I know it said love, you know, the love of money, but, but after a while, you just have to shake that, right? In, in fact, I also grew, grew up thinking that rich people were mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> rich people were mean, and, 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 and you're thinking as a, as a kid growing up, I don't want to be mean, right? So if rich means you're mean, then maybe being rich is not a good thing. Uh, maybe having to, you know, so, uh, which was kind of conflicting to an extent because I saw the great things that my grandparents did for the community, right, in the church and the community. So it was kind of, you're just confused as a child, right? Uh, but what stood out for me was, was the goodness, the goodness that you can do when you have more to give, right? And I, I believe with reading and building on that and, and even thinking back to how my grandparents helped people, that helped me to overcome gradually, to overcome, to overcome and say, wait, 
I want to be able to do great things. Because what, what did, you mentioned your grandparents a few times. Talk about that. So what what did what did they teach you? They taught me. Uh, well, first of all, the multiple streams of income. I really got that from my grandparents because I believe even on the last podcast, um, I shared how my because they were farmers that predominantly that's what they did. And I and forgot. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> and, then, and then they 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 had uh, a. Well, I guess it was called a grocery store. More like conv- they, they sold everything, not just groceries, cigarettes, and you know everything. And they, my grand, my grandma would s- sell in the market and stuff. So it was kind of like this wheel of just biz- the business. This one, you know, you know, going into flowing into this one, and you know, and it just goes around. So it was one big thing. So being a farmer, you know, it takes time for the cr- the, cr- the crop to come right and if if you have a flood that washes away everything it will take a whole you know season again for it for that to, to to come back not only that i remember that year not only that the the, the crops were the the um my 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 grandpa had some um fi- you know fields we call them fields farming whatever but they were kind of on the slope so all the top soil and everything just yeah. So you had to get soil to dump back to, to yeah to be so able it was to extra work for him exactly. And it was because of the other things that he were doing and that kept us going. And you know I, I never felt like we were there was lacking hustle, anything. There was hu- there was positive yeah. hustlers in your family yeah. going. <laughs> but going exactly. You you made me realize. Uh, uh, just remind me of a story of our aunt who would go to the farms from the little villages in Croatia there and negotiate to get people's eggs, and then she would take the bus, which at that time was like two, three hours into the city where she had a little market stand to sell eggs. And she only had a few eggs because she was getting them from the villagers and paying them probably peanuts Mm -hmm. and then reselling the eggs. But then when she got bigger, she would get the eggs from like the northern part of Croatia and she would get them in the hundreds. But when she would go to the market, she would only still put out like five eggs at a time (laughs) so that everybody thought they were coming local right from like, you know, her village. And I remember looking under the table and she literally, and and at her apartment, she would have hundreds and hundreds of eggs, but she would only put out five and she would like, sell those and then like out from the table she put up more five and i was watching her hustle (laughs) you know so like we all have that somewhere in our backgrounds where some family member was like a hustler yes yes Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it impacts you. You know, you probably don't when really you know. See it, it's it's almost, refl- yeah, yes. it is because now I've realized the last few years reflecting back on, on her and some of these stories specifically, mm-hmm. I realized what she was doing and I have more appreciation for it than I did at the time. At the Absolutely. time I was just like, oh, well, that's how you do it. But now yeah, I don't see what she was it. doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, so you've, you've seen a lot of kids, right? So you, in your class, like, do you have these, con- I guess there's two questions. Do you have these conversations with kids sometimes? what triggers them? There's a third question. So what triggers them? And, you know, what do you think from what you've seen, like, or maybe your own experiences, what causes someone to go down this path to look at things a different way than, than, you know, to kind of change their focus and and go down a different path and start looking at the financial side of things a little Mm -hmm. bit differently for themselves. And I don't know if you're, you, if you're even seeing that at the high school level very much or not. Not very much, because one of the things that got me to start writing or thinking about writing this book is, so initially students used to come, you know, they come at reading week, they come at the end of their program and say, miss, I'm done, I got a job here, you know, I got a job at Yahoo, you know, Yahoo, you know, was a big thing at the time, and then, you know, eventually Google and Facebook and Apple, I had kids who even went on to Apple, some went to Japan to, because um, I, I do, um, at my, my, the school I was at before, we had a lot of immigrants from China, and so they, they would go, and they got 
great jobs around the world, but then in the last five years or so, then you, you're starting to hear now it's about the student loan and on, on, on the university, the banks go there and camp out and incentivize them to take these credit cards and they don't know how to use them. So they come out and like, miss, I have student loan and I am not even getting a job, you know, yeah, to, to, to pay my loan back. Um, sometimes I go out with some of my students, you know, I go for lunch with them and whatnot. And um, last year, I remember one student said to me, miss, you tricked, you, you tricked us. And I'm like, huh? Miss, you tricked us. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he started to say, you guys say, if I go to school and if I apply myself well, I work hard and I get the grades and I go to university and do a good job, I get a good degree, I come out, I'll be fine. And he's like, miss, I'm not fine, right? Oh, <laughs> and he's, Yeah, he actually did that. And, and, I, and I said to him, um, you know, I don't want to say his name, but I said to him, this was one of the reasons. I said, I realize, I, I said, I realize we we did you to an extent a disservice, but you know, it's not totally on us because we were just going with the system, right? And I said, now that I see that there's a problem, I'm trying to do what I can do to change that. And so after that, I, 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 when I do questions for my student, I put in a little financial literacy question there because, and, and, and sometimes those are the questions that they stumble over, but you know what? I love taking up those questions with them and they love it and, and bring the real world into it, right? Because even stuff like mortgages, they took that out of the curriculum, right? And that was the next thing too. There were things in the curriculum that could be beneficial, but they gradually take them out. I mean, I look at the grade 11 university course and they have a uh, financial application at the back. It's at the end of the chapter. Well, what do you think happened when Teachers don't, there's not time. enough time. Yeah. They're, they're not going to hit that, right? It's at the back. So they put it at the back, like it's not that important. To me, that is the most important chapter in the book. That's the one that will help kids the most. And that's that's what they will use on a day-to-day -day basis when they come out. But And that's what, and, and then not only that, I find that um, some teachers, maybe I'm going to get into trouble for this, but some teachers <laughs> have issues with it too, right? They, they in cannot their understand in their defense, it. Yeah. But in their defense, yeah. they've also never been taught that. Exactly, exactly. I, I, and I remember when I reached, because I, I reached out to, um, it was John Malloy at the time, the director of education. He's retired now. And I reached out to him and I gave him a list of things like uh, doing your taxes, you know, credit cards, how to, credit score. I, I talked to kids about credit score. They don't even know what that means, right? Um, doing a budget. So I sent a list of things that I, I said to him. Kids should be learning these things in school, and and it should be it shouldn't just be in one. It should be something that they do across curriculum, and they keep hearing it because if they're not hearing it in the home, you know, and again, the, the the parents do not know about it to teach them. So this is where we come in to help them, and and so I sent a list of things, and you know, and I remember he said, well, he he totally agreed that these are things that should be taught, you know, and then he said the 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 board doesn't drive the curriculum; it's the Minister of Education that does. So he kind of connected me with somebody at Minister of Education, and I reached out. To them. Good for and you. I, You're yeah. crazy. <laughs> you are crazy. crazy. Good for you. No, we need more Ingrid's. Good for you. So Richard, this is a powerful woman next to you. Sure, Holy sure. smokes. Yeah. And I, and I reached out to the Minister of Education and we're back and forth with some emails. And eventually they said, okay, yeah, financial, we, we, we heard Ingrid, financial education will be in, in, in the new curriculum that was coming out in the spring. And yeah. this I was think Doug Ford mentioned something. Right. I, I don't know what's in it. Right. So I looked at the curriculum and I, and I see, oh, and then I said, okay, where is it? And I couldn't find it until eventually I heard, oh, it's in civics. So I had some civics, civics and careers. And I had some teachers and I reached out to them. Do you, um, do you know about this financial education thing that's going to know? 
right? So I reached out back to Malloy and he put me onto the curriculum. <laughs> they hate you. <laughs> you followed up? Yes, Ingrid, I did. You followed I up? I did. Oh, and then it <laughs> Who's this Ingrid Clayton person? You know there's some discussion somewhere. Oh, gosh. Ingrid Clayton. Another email from Ingrid Clayton. I know, I know. She sent me a copy of this book. I don't, am I supposed to read this book? What's going on here? Yeah, so... Good I, for you. Yeah. Good for you. So when I when I reach out to the civic state, so not good for you, just thank you on behalf of all of us for doing <laughs> what you're you. doing. Thank you. And so after I reach out to the civic teacher, they're clueless, and I'm like, "But I thought he's in civics and careers. You should know." And it's rolling out. So when I reached out back to Malloy, he put me up. He, he connected me with the curriculum planner at the board level, and they connected with some some guys, right? So we're in back and forth, and we're talking, and I said. Um, Okay, so financial education is coming up. First of all, where is it? So he said, oh, and he, and, and he's, he was sending me to go look somewhere. And like, no, 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 I'm on, I'm on there now. Um, email me, you have my email, email me where I, the, the, the thing. So I went on it while he was on the phone with me and we're going through and stuff. So I said, okay, um, this, is not, this, this is not covering what, you know, everything that he's, and he said, he, you know, he did say, well, yeah, we're, 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 we're what did, what did, Okay, let me not try to code in. Essentially, what he was trying to say, it's a work in progress, right? So I said, okay, fine. How are you going to roll it out? He said, um, they're going to be PDs and, and, and stuff. So I said, and this was in August. So I said, okay, when are these PDs coming out? The curriculum is supposed to be starting in September. And eventually, after back and forth, he's like, you know what, Ingrid? We, we're not there alone. yet. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just, it's we're like not it's, there yet. It's yeah. like it's not political enough. Yes. So they can't, no yeah. one can get behind it to do anything. Exactly. Which is interesting because they're looking at housing now as as like a discriminatory thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're like, it's it's discriminatory because if you cater to people with housing, the people with homes, you know, like because it's an asset, can get ahead based on the financial system and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the people that can't, they, or the people that don't, they, they it's harder for them to get ahead, which, which is kind of what we're talking about. So if you look at it that way, it's very much a political issue mm -hmm. because there, there is something to be said for what they're saying. That That is true, right? Yeah. Because the system is is rigged against people that don't have have assets yes. yeah. because of the money printing so it is it should be a political thing but i think not enough people even understand it exactly. enough to make it a political uh, right. a political issue we right? big, it's just it's gonna get problem. nasty yeah. over the next few the next few years and what really kind of upsets me is that the canadians who, that who have taken the time to figure out that it's beneficial in this current system to own assets and are being rewarded for it eventually will be the problem mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. because you'll be pointed at, at yes. like, Oh, you guys yeah. have asset owners. Yes. You're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, well, time out here for a second. Yes. You know, these are Canadians who have figured out how to the money system works and mm -hmm. are making it work to their advantage. So then they can go help other Canadians like writing a book on everything that you should know. We need people like this. And, right. and instead you're going to be villainized. And I'm, I mean, you two specifically or us. And mm -hmm. I just mean asset owners will be villainized. Yes. And it just seems like the whole thing you can almost, you can almost extrapolate forward and say, we got big problems coming our yep. way. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why I like in your book when you included the part at the end about the coming debt crisis. Yes. Like you covered everything in the, in this book. I just want to make sure, like, I just want to read some of the chapters here just so you know. Like you go you go from good grades matter, high school math curriculum, my experience as a math teacher, financial literacy mi is missing, financial liter literacy matters, teaching young people financial literacy. I realized I needed financial education, my journey to become financially intelligent, what I accomplished after becoming financially literate, the debt crisis consumers face, it's time for a change. And in time for a change, you go through life insurance, whole life policies, business building, 
Like you cover the ground, like you cover ground. Can you make kids thing. read a book in math class? <laughs> That'd be a good idea. Hey, in, in, in universities, they always, all the profs make them read their own books anyways. That's yeah. how those profs stay there with selling their own damn textbooks. You should make That's sure. That's right. Yeah. And we used to have this 20 minutes of reading and, and they cut it out. And, and, and you know, uh, and no disrespect to the English teachers, but some of those books like Think and Grow Rich, those are great books that they can do in English. <laughs> you know, there's, there's how, so many great how many, books how out many there. How many successful entrepreneurs will re reflect back on that book mm -hmm. as a book that changed their thinking? Exactly. That That's what they should be doing in English. Shakespeare? Like, <laughs> come on. Oh, my wife. If my wife heard that, she wouldn't no, be happy. No, no, my no, wife no, loves no, Shakespeare. No. Oh, and then she loves Ingrid, and then, you've gone one step then, too far. Yeah. Richard, Richard, you're... My, my wife's got an English are, degree, and then she, she, she not even Shakespeare... Because I agree with you. Like this Shakespeare stuff, like I get it's a play, like do one. You don't have to do five of them, you know? I know. And then but then she and went it, to the next level, Chaucer, which is like if you think <laughs> Shakespeare is interesting English, Chaucer is like a complete foreign language, man. Chaucer's hardcore. I'm like, wow, you and she liked that even more. He, so her like, and I are cut from different cloths yeah, very clearly, right? Chaucer is like the 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 abstract math that she's talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> abstract English. And I think and I think to be clear, I think we probably all think there's value in having a creative outlet. So if like Romeo and Juliet's going to be your creative outlet and say, sure, fine, study it, but we we need a place in the school system for yeah. this other stuff. Exactly. Whether it's Think and Grow Rich mm -hmm. and some reading time or it's it's you know your book to understand financial literacy or some basic financial literacy, whatever it is, we just need that in there. We're we not saying it. to get yes. rid of the arts or to get no. rid of gym. No, no, no. no. It's no. more just we need a place for some of this material to be covered. Right. So when if you were if you're if you, if you were speaking to a parent right now with kids in grade nine and ten, first part of high school, what would you tell them to you know for them to get some financial literacy for their children? Obviously, your book is kind of an easy place to start, and we'll link mm -hmm. to it in the show notes here. Mm -hmm. But is there anything else that comes to mind? I, I don't I don't want to just point directly at your book because some people think that's very self-serving. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, but we're here to talk about your book, so right. you know, of course, your book is a great resource. Right. But anything else come to mind for you where where they could go or Anything at the library? That, I, and just what comes to mind? Oh yes, there there are, um, and it's funny because when I was when I was doing my masters, and um, obviously my my topic was about um, lifestyle, live, having a great lifestyle, um, you know, adult lifestyle when you. I've, you're financial literate. You did a master's on your life, your terms. <laughs> yeah. oh I didn't know they offered that. That's great. Ingrid, leave what you're doing right now. We're going to restart that program. My thesis. Yeah, we happen to have a training room here that is empty <laughs> because we can't host anyone in it. We can start hosting you as a Zoom teacher in here. Right, right. And uh, I mean, even at, at my school, when after I had the back and forth with the um, the Minister of Education and. Um, and, and the board, I started a financial literacy club at school because when I realized that nothing was going to go on. So for, you know, opportunities like this, this is good for parents, uh, for, you know, to tell parents to um, students to, you know, join the club because this is where you'll, you'll learn stuff. Um, love, even in my book, I mentioned lots of other books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, The Wealthy Barber by... Um, Chil whatever. Um, yeah, I forget yeah. his name now too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Chilton. Chilton, Chilton right. right? Chilton. Um, there are a number of books out there, but um, going back to when I was in my master's and I was doing my my, my, my thesis, it, I worked. I, I um I did it on financial education, adult financial education and lifestyle later on, and there information out there online in the back of the book i put some resources as that. well yeah, yeah. yeah and so there, there's information out there but it's like they're the best kept secret i did not even know that canada had a f um 
well, November National Financial Literacy Month. Did you guys know? No. no. <laughs> they don't. Do, I don't think that? they do much about it. Maybe. So, yeah. Like maybe I heard about it and just rolled my right. eyes. Right. I didn't know until I was doing. I, I was. I was doing my my masters there. So information is out there, right? Even um, McGill. There is something from McGill about financial education that um, they're, they're trying to get their students to participate in. So the, lots of information is out there, right? There are lots of podcasts on finance, you know, finances. There, you know, there's a wealth of information, but it's just that it's just hidden. It's like nobody's sharing this. And these are the things you can share in school because sometimes when you're watching those other YouTube, you could watch a YouTube on financial literacy, financial education, you know, pieces, and that will help students. I remember in my in the club, there is this program now. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was... Um, basically helping somebody to do like a debt roll-up strategy so they had all these debts and to just to just share how you can pay down the the, the smallest debt first and then you move on to the next one and eventually you, you you know clean up all your debt simple things but it it really goes a long way so these are little things that that that's out there that you know parents can access themselves to share with their parents they can sit down and and, and and do it together they can listen together discuss things together at the table again money becomes a taboo in lots of families mm -hmm. they don't talk about finances they don't talk about money you know they don't talk about debt some people are embarrassed by it for whatever reason but I, I think that if you make it become you know just like when kids are, are growing up you know you teach them to count you teach them to read that's where you start teach them about money too. start start there start teaching them about money at an early age and make it be a constant thing that you talk about right and share what you're doing with you know with them share whatever struggles you're having you know and 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 then look look to all these resources that are available out there to help you to to navigate things and to show them so that they too can understand so that when they're they're the adults and then they will be able to manage themselves well and then they they can pass it on to their children right and you kind of change the trajectory of things because it's, it's like a domino effect you know now I know, I know better. I'm going to teach my kids. They know, they, you know, and, and stuff. So I, I and think not only do they know the there. network of people that you guys know mm -hmm. will now help your children mm -hmm. because yes. you guys know people on the similar path mm -hmm. and that network keeps growing and kind of nourishing the network. It's Absolutely. really powerful, right? Yes. Yeah. So you said something really important there that, you know, some people are embarrassed by debt. Mm -hmm. I hate using the excuse I'm about to use because I think it's a cop out in a lot of areas of life, but it's not really your fault. If you're listening to this and you're in debt and I mm -hmm. hate saying that it's not your fault, mm -hmm. um, but in this case, I feel like the system has been so structured mm -hmm. to to load you up with debt yes. that if you find yourself in a situation where you got a lot of Visa cards and a lot of debt and you don't know how to get out from it, it's not really your fault. The system has been designed that mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. yeah. So, and, but you can get out of it. And so books like yours, Ingrid, are really powerful. And I also love mm -hmm. that the, if you're fighting with any sort of mindset issues, the back that you've written here, like the yes. personal development books almost had more of an impact on me yes. than anything. And the stuff that you've shared, obviously, Think and Grow Rich is like right at the top of your list here. But some of these other ones, and you even shared a great one here. That's one of my personal favorites is Ready, Fire, Aim, Zero to 100 Million in No Time Flat by Michael Masterson. Yes. The first two or three chapters of that book, you learn more about business building than in like an entire university level business course. So like that book, so you, your back of your book is a great resource for that kind of stuff. So if you're struggling with anything, don't discount the personal development side mm -hmm. because I, I know it's benefited us and I'm sure it's benefited you absolutely. guys. Yeah. For yeah. me, it just gave me a different line of thinking that I wasn't exposed to and it, it opened up possibilities that I didn't even realize were possibilities. Like I wasn't searching for those things and mm -hmm. thinking they were impossible and then trying to get them proved as possible. Mm -hmm. 
I just it just gave me a whole different perspective on a lot of stuff. A lot of that personal development stuff was really really good. Absolutely, because to change to change people's mindset sometimes because people have mindset about money, believe it or not, right? And I, I agree with you. You know, they're not to be blamed for the most part because it's how it's how they were socialized, it's how they grew up, is what they you know. Like I, I mentioned earlier about the, the the parents buying the lottery. Kids think that the only way I can get ahead or get a little extra money is to buy the lottery. So they so it's 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 just. You know, you know, during the formative years, if you can, you know, nip things at that point, it will go a far way, right? So your mindset too, you have to change that. And how do you change it? You build it by, you know, the resources that are there. Listen to that, and and eventually it will just change how you think about money, about finances, and how you conduct your financial affairs. The only thing I'd, I'd say, so you're right. And then about the book is, you know, you mentioned for people looking to kind of learn it, maybe adults or whatever. I think this type of thing. For someone that's end of high school, beginning of college, university oh, years, if, if they choose to life. go down that path. Yes. But if you're getting, if you're, this is hitting in your late teens, mm-hmm. mid to late teens, even early 20s, it's written, it's a really, it's almost text, it, it's not written like a textbook, but there's enough information there that mm-hmm. it's like a textbook yes. that's an easy read that mm-hmm. would be really valuable. That's that's where I think the sweet spot is. And if, if you can, I, I know just for myself, I was fortunate probably to your influence because you sort of diving into that stuff uh, sooner. I don't want to give you the credit for that, but I probably... <laughs> I heard you loud and clear. Got it. making a little note right now. But <laughs> Nick owes me a lot. That's my note. So when it hit me in my early 20s, I forget when I started reading this stuff, but I was like late teens, early 20s, started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, The Wealthy Barber, Millionaire Store. Those were like the first ones that I kind of dove into. Um, it, it, it really just... I, I, it's what set me onto this path that I wouldn't have been on otherwise. Yep. Right, right. I think right. those years, because you have so much time and if mm-hmm. you have a little bit of ambition in those years and you right. get the right information in your hands, yes. all of a sudden you're like, holy crap. Your right. eyes just like open and you're like, yes. it's like you figured out the matrix all of a sudden. You can start operating at a different level, you know? Absolutely. And when you're young, you figure you have the, your whole life ahead of you so you're willing to try things you know people who are older they're thinking oh, it's too late for me but yeah. when you're younger well, then you have kids you're like oh mm-hmm. i gotta take care of these exactly kids. <laughs> so the earlier the better which was, which was what i it was all about my students right and um i realized that oh it's everybody needs it right <laughs> everybody yeah absolutely needs it. ingrid yeah. you're doing all of us a service by putting this out there so thank you i mean that very sincerely and 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 where do where where will people go to get the book they can go to Amazon. It's on Amazon. Um, I do have a website they can go to access it easily too. It's um, Richard, help me out there. Um, <laughs> we'll financial literacy rocks. <laughs> is that what it is? No. Yes. Good. Fi- financial, both. They, oh, yeah. Good They're gra- kind of integrated. So okay. goodgradesrock.com at the back of the book, and which takes you to financialliteracyrocks.com. Yeah. And we will link to it in the show notes of this episode. So if you go Absolutely. to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast and you find this right. episode with Ingrid and Richard, we will have links to that Absolutely. there as well. Yeah. Thank and you I, for yeah. Oh, sorry. Were you, no, were, I was going to say I do blogs. I try to put little tips out there about finances, personal finance. You know, um, I try to put one up once a week. So they're great information there about um even credit score building your credit dealing with credit cards improve you know and getting out of debt and stuff like that so the little blogs there to help them with little tips that people can use you know simple things that everybody can understand to just improve their finances yes awesome thank you so much thanks for doing this both of you richard you got to stop talking here (laughs) we got it yeah 
We, you were just hogging the mic on this episode. Thank you guys so much. Really, thank you. Thank I'm, you. Appreciate I'm here it. for emotional support. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Hopefully, you enjoyed that episode with Ingrid and Richard Clayton. And the book again is Good Grades Rock, but A plus does not equal success. The URL to get to the book information and to the workshops is financialliteracyrocks.com. That's financialliteracyrocks.com. In the type, top right corner, you'll see a link to workshops. We will put links to that and to the Amazon um, page for her book in the show notes of this episode at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast. And remember, if you are listening to this and you want to get some education from us here at Rockstar, you can check out everything we were doing. We're doing at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>